and welcome to The Stinger, a superfan's guide to everything Marvel, Star Wars, and other nerd entertainment. Uh, I am your host, Trent Neely. Josh Gann is not with us today, but um, he'll be back soon, hopefully to talk The Last of Us and some other great things. Um, but yes, it's just me, Trent Neely, today, but also joined as always by our lovely Lord of Lore, Mr. Joseph Sneed. How are we doing today, sir? Doing good. It's been a while since I've been on. I guess it's probably only been a couple of weeks, but uh, glad to be back to talk about the Mando. Yes, the Mando. We are back talking Mandalorian Season 3 again, folks. We're going to be talking about chapters 18 and 19 today. Um, But before we hop into that, just thank you guys so much for listening. As always, please leave a rate and review. That really helps us out. And um, join the Stinger community on Facebook. Please give us your input on, on what you're loving about the podcast, maybe suggestions of you know, topics and things that you want to see and just, you know, thoughts on episodes. We love to, we love to get engagement from people. It's always uh, really nice. Um, But yeah, you know, let's, let's go ahead and jump into the meat and potatoes, if you will, of today's episode. Like I said, we're talking about um, episodes two and three of season three of the Mandalorian season three today, Um, starting with chapter 18, the minds of Mandalore. This was directed by Rachel Morrison, who's done a bunch of TV stuff and was also the cinematographer for the first uh, Black Panther film and written by John Farrow as usual. Um, so Joseph, before we get into like sort of the, the, the actual plot beats here, what were your just general impressions on this episode and where things went? My first thought coming out of the episode was don't go to Mandalore by yourself. Cause it's filled with nightmare fuel. Yep. Um, that like weird robot, cyborg doctor thing was really creepy and then there were like dragons on mandalore and the weird like four-eyed abominable snowman guys yeah yeah it was like everything was terrifying on mandalore and then you're walking through the ruins of the city that you know we had never seen the inside of it destroyed before but We'd seen it a lot in the Clone Wars, uh, capital city of Sundari, and it was just terrifying. (laughs) Yeah. The little creepy doctor man that looked like the, um, he looked like a Transformer. He he really did. Just something straight out of Michael Bay's, like, first movie. But but yeah, I really enjoyed the episode. I thought it it focused up a lot more than the first one. Yeah. Yeah. And kind of gets you into what the mission of the season is going to be of, okay, they're going to be retaking Mandalore or doing, maybe not retaking Mandalore, but going back to Mandalore more often. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, I I really enjoyed this episode, but, you know, I got to give it my general review. It's not as good as the Marshall it is not as good as the Marshall, but I think I think I texted you like right when I watched it that like in terms of atmosphere and vibes, this is this is more what I was hoping for than with the first the first episode of the season where it's just like I um I think I texted you that like the Cinema Sins channel they did a they did a sin removal in like I think I think it was the the Spider Cave episode in season two where they were like man this show's great when it leans into like the X Files nature I think they called it mm-hmm. where it's like you know, you're going to a, a weird for that one. It was the ice planet with the spider thing, and I do like that the show again. Sort of, it's like, hey, we've sort of seen Mandalore before, but now we're going in like deep in, and you got like you said, abominable snowmen, and you got the robot doctor things. And I love when the show just gets like really comfortable with like its weird sci-fi component of itself. Um, and then what also surprised me is that I think a lot of people, including me, were expecting to not get to 
um, you know, the minds of Mandalore, at least until the mid-season, if not the season finale. So jumping right into that in episode two, I think, was a, was a pleasant surprise. It's like, nope, we're just here now. Yeah, and I, I enjoyed it because, you know, they set up the, the first part of the season and he's like, I'm wondering if they're going to go back to it or not, or if it was just them saying like, yeah, we know what you've said about the show before. Cause it was like, all right, dude, you need to go and get the headpiece for an IG droid. And he shows up at the beginning of this episode and is like, I need the headpiece of an IG droid. And Pelimoto's like, yeah, dude, I ain't got that. Why don't you just take R5? And he <laughs> says, okay, I can do that. And then he just goes straight to Mandalore. So it was almost like them kind of poking fun at people like, okay, mission of the week type of thing. He's got to go find this um, like computer motherboard thing. And they're like, oh no, he'll just get another droid. Yeah, yeah, I liked that. Um, yeah, no, and then the, the, um, I think our prediction that all three of us had that Grogu was going to talk um, is is gathering more and more steam with these two episodes too because when they go visit Pelimoto, like Grogu like babbles instantly. And and I think Pelle mm-hmm. even says, like, oh, is he trying to say something? I'm like, oh, it's happening. It is for sure happening. Yeah, and then we won't get into um, the third episode of the season yet, but he, like, kind of said this is the way. Yeah, people have been freaking out. That clip's been going around a bunch. Um, like he, didn't, but he, he didn't say it, but you could say it. You could tell it was like, oh, he's trying to say this is the way. Yeah, and then, like, both Mando and Bo, like, do this, like, little head turn. They're like, did he? Did he just try to say it? Mm-hmm. Um. No, but yeah, no, this, yeah, this was a great little episode. I, like I said, I love that it's sort of just very, very simple. It was sort of all, all vibes. Cause yeah, they, they try to go to Pelimoto to like fix IG-11's, you know, memory core. And then she's like, nope, can't help you there. But here's this R5-D4 that's ready to go. And the robot's like, I am not ready to go. And she's like, too bad. Like, this is a transaction yeah. now. Um, He's like. He's going all the way back to his roots. He's like, I am not R2-D2. Right. He's, he's like picking up on Luke Skywalker's vibes. And he's like, you know what? I'm just going to blow myself up so I don't have to go with this guy. Yeah. And then uh, R2's like, all right, let's go. Because, you know, if R2 was there, he'd be like, Mando wouldn't even have to fight the little monster things. <laughs> he'd have just right. taken them out by himself. Yes. No. R2 so or Chopper would have handled all of that. Very quickly. Oh, Chopper would have Chopper would have taken down the Mythosaur, probably. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. R2, but uh R2 no, has a little more restraint than Chopper. They're both pretty foul mouths, but as far as violence goes, R2's not he's not as bad. That's true. It's very <laughs> true. Um, but yeah, so so they pick up this new droid and then they head right for um Mandalore. You know, we get the we get this little line of Din, like, again, teaching Grogu, we sort of talked about that last time, where he's, like, actually teaching him about, like, Mandalorian tactics and methodology, and he's like, oh, yeah, Bo-Katan's, like, right in the system. I'm like, oh, I wonder if that's going to come up in this episode, that she's, like, right next door. Um, And then they land, and he's like, okay, this this droid needs to scan to see if the atmosphere is, like, breathable, because it's been the, the rumors that it, this place is toxic, and sure enough, it's like, oh, nope, it's all good. But the... the um the droid doesn't come back. So then Mando goes looking and sure enough, he runs into these abominable snowmen creatures that I guess are called Alamites is what Wikipedia told me. I have no idea if that's true or if that's canon or been addressed before, but that's, that's what the internet said. Yeah. I don't remember seeing them in the clone wars, but I remember Bo-Katan saying like, Oh, they used to be in like the toxic swamps of Mandalore or something. 
I don't remember yeah. where she said they were, but she said they weren't anywhere close to the cities. So, yeah, no, and so so yeah, there's there's a little showdown where we get to see Mando using the dark saber again, which was always nice to see. It's like, oh yeah, still got it, but like you can tell he still doesn't perfectly know um, what to do mm-hmm. with it. And then you know he handles that little situation, but then these weird robotic doctor cyborg things just take Mando and hold him like hostage in this creature thing and little baby Grogu's like I'll go rescue you dad and then he tries to use the force on it but it doesn't work and so dad's like nope you gotta go get some help go get Bo-Katan and so Grogu's like okay no problem and hops on his little pod um and I do like that um when when Grogu goes back to Bo's castle like initially she's like gosh this guy like he just won't leave me alone and then the minute she sees Grogu's by himself he's like she's like oh this is a problem like I need to I need to go help if I can yeah, because I think she's still angling to get the dark saber back. Yes, and she's I, like, well, I would say lost, so. she's like, if it's lost on Mandalore, that's probably not a great idea. Um, but yeah, she goes back. It's funny. She was walking out there. She's like, we're gonna make sure this guy never comes back. Yeah. Um, and then they kind of, you know, jumping ahead to episode three for a minute. They kind of become like uneasy friends, I guess. Yeah, I I I, te- I remember you and I were texting about it. It was like sort of unclear what their what their vibe is. It's sort of friendly, seemingly maybe a little flirty, maybe. Um, it, 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 there's there's something going on there. Um, but but yeah, Botan yeah. goes back and and then you know from there it's just sort of like all right, rescue Mando mission time. Bo sort of gets the the quest of the week format in that way for this one. Mm-hmm. It's like let's go to Mandalore, let's go look for him, and then um. We get a great scene where Bo-Katan uses the dark saber for a second, and it's like, oh, this is what somebody who actually like is is trained or is training to like wield this actually looks like. Like she's like has the sword in one hand, where Din struggles using it with two hands, and like she has the shield on her other arm. I thought that was a really fun, quick action uh, set piece for sure. Yeah, she's a pro with the uh, with the dark saber because. Mando kind of like sucks with it because <laughs> he was having trouble fighting the little monster things that didn't even have blasters or anything. And, you know, if that was like, you know, I won't say Obi-Wan cause he probably would have tried to find a way to not kill him. But if it was Anakin with a lightsaber, that'd have been over in like two seconds. Yeah. And, <clears throat> and then she picks it up and is like chopping up this robot thing. Like you said, she's using it with one hand and doing like, flips and twirls and stuff and um so i think you know we've never really seen moff gideon use the dark saber either so i think we could maybe get a pretty good action sequence between bo katan and moff gideon over the dark saber later in the season that would be fun uh, for now it's still the mandalorians so he can um Keep learning, I guess, and maybe Bo-Katan is the one that that teaches him to use it, and maybe she sees a little bit again, looking forward of the better side of the children of the Watch. Mm. And maybe she's like, you know what? Maybe we could try this, and I'll train him to use this thing. Yeah, that'd be that'd be an interesting way to go. Um, so yeah, Bo-Katan helps save Mando, and then from there, he's like. She's like, hey, you're pretty banged up. You should come back to like my place and rest up for a little bit. And he's like, nope, I've come this far. I'm I'm gonna go into the waters of Mandalore. 
And so we get this this thing where Bo's like, oh, you really believe all of those like children fairy tale things? And he's like, yeah, I really do. And once she sees how committed he is, she's like, all right, I'll take you. And so she gives him like the full like tour complete with like, you know, the tour guide, like monologue of like, here's like the mythosaur and how that was, you know, connected. And supposedly these waters are the home of the mythosaur, but no one actually believes that. And then Mando does start, you know, bathing himself in the waters and then like as he's going down the steps like there seems to be debate a little bit on the internet whether he like is grabbed by something or just straight up sinks i think most people think that he just straight up sinks um and just because he wasn't using his jetpack to go down he just straight up crashed in yeah i think this was the episode that i finally realized he's kind of an idiot (laughs) yes a little bit Um, is it was kind of funny he was like looking back on it now and figuring out what happened in the scene. It's kind of funny. He's just like saying this really serious uh, vow and then he just straight up like falls down. <laughs> right. And in uh, fairness, I think they do say in episode three that it's he's like, it shouldn't have been that deep. And she's like, oh yeah, it got like cratered by the Empire's like bombing run or whatever. And it made it yeah. deeper. And so in his defense, he actually wasn't <laughs> expecting it. But still, it's like maybe not just blindly go into something that you yeah, have no like, idea. Look- look down a little bit. I know it's hard to see through the visor, but maybe just look down for a minute. Um, it's a good thing she had her jetpack, but yeah, it was, it was kind of interesting though, to see how seriously he takes his vows. Yeah. And I think she was noticing that too of, Oh, he's like, he's, he's definitely part of a cult. Right. She's kind of seeing how seriously he takes it and kind of maybe comparing that to how, her other Mandalorians just kind of like pieced out on her. Right, right. I, I, the, I, yeah, I was about to say. She seems intense loyalty from him to his Mandalorian way. Yeah, exactly. That's literally what I was about to say is that like, yeah, she, it's for, I think for her initially, it was just like, oh, this is just so like they, they can feel superior to other Mandalorians, but not actually do anything. And it's like, this is the moment she realizes like you can, cause they cut to her, her helmet a couple times when he's reciting the vows, and mm-hmm. it's like, oh, she, he actually like believes this like in his core. Um, so that was, that was a, that was a good little character moment. And then, yeah, like you said, uh, Bo-Katan kept the jetpack alive and kicking. And so she's like, I'll hop in and go get you. And then on the way up, she sees the mythosaur like for like, we see it for just like a couple frames. We see it. We see a nice little eyeball and then, uh, they, they eat back out of there. And I think the episode ends mm-hmm. pretty much right there. Um, but yeah, that was yeah, cool. Like, we we haven't seen right the Mythosaur in any sort of like Clone Wars or Rebels yet, correct? Uh, it, not in like live form. It may have been in um, like some of the murals in the Clone Wars that, it, that were in Sundari. Um, and I mean, we've seen the Mythosaur like skeleton before That's right. in in the form of like. Uh, Boba Fett's armor has has like the Mythosaur skull on it because I mean that's kind of a like a signature Mandalorian thing. Um, the armorer has the skull, like the you know the metal skull, the Beskar skull in there that Bo-Katan was looking at at the end of the third episode. So I mean we we've seen hints of it before, but never seen like this gigantic kaiju looking thing <laughs> that they were looking at. So it'll well, be interesting I, to see who 
Because I'm like convinced someone is going to go try and tame that thing. Because they talked right. about the fifth Mandalore doing it. When I, I literally thought of you, because A, it's Star Wars, but B, I was like, is somebody about to pull like an Aquaman? Like, are we about to get like, you know, because at the end of that movie, Arthur Curry like tames the Kraken. I'm like, is somebody about to yeah. like tame the Mythosaur and, and ride it into battle at some point in like season three or four? Like, is this about to well, happen? I mean, they hinted at that already a little bit. I mean, Boba Fett was riding a baby Rancor. So. Yeah, oh. it's true. So, I mean, it's not. It's not the weird. I mean, all right, it probably would be the weirdest thing, but it's not the most out of left field thing. Yeah, true, so, true. So I mean, I could get down with it, and you know, one thing I'm thinking too is we're looking at Bo-Katan and the Children of the Watch. I was always thinking that the Mandalorian's journey would be one where he becomes okay with taking his helmet off. Now I'm wondering if it's the reverse where he stays like that and Bo-Katan maybe starts going like the way of the way. Mm. I think that could be an interesting thing for them to, to touch on of, all right, Mandalorians are actually getting back to their warrior cult, like, but still, you know, it's pretty much an honor based system for the children of the watch. Right. Because, you know, Mando could have gotten past a lot of problems with them if he just lied and said, yeah, I've kept my helmet on. But he was like, I got to face this shame and yeah. tell the armor in, uh, when he did that in the book of Boba Fett. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree. I think where Bo ends up at the end of episode 19, which I think we can get to in a, in a second here, I think creates a, a very interesting arc of possibilities for both her and and her relationship to Mando and Mando's relationship to her. Um, yeah, I think it's really cool. Um, yeah, I don't have a ton more to say about Chapter 18. Like I said, really fun, you know, um, fun new environments that we got to see. I think Rachel Morrison and and the rest of the production team did a really great job directing this one. I think the the use of the, what I assume is still the volume would, had some really cool like landscape effects for mm-hmm. the the destroyed surface of Mandalore. I think the cho- uh, the choreography for the the fight with like the robot stuff with Bo Katan was really well handled. Um, and again, I mean, we take it for granted three seasons in, but I think how the both actors and stunt performers perform in the helmets, and we can still read these emotional beats, especially when yep. Din is reciting his vows and Bo's looking at him. I think that really deserves credit to both, you know, Pedro Pascal, Katie Sackoff, and their their stunt people in the directing team. Um, yep. So yeah, I thought that was a really a really sun, fun, solid episode. Any last minute thoughts on you for that one, Joseph? For the for the stunt stuff, I wouldn't be shocked if it was Katie Sackoff doing a lot of it. Mm-hmm. I know she's very pro, like doing her own stuff when she can. Yeah, and then um, you know we know about the the other body doubles for for Pedro Pascal that that kind of pop in for some of it, but I mean he's a pretty busy guy <laughs> right now, so yeah, he is. You know, get him in the voice booth and get him for some of maybe the close up shots of the helmet, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I know they made a big deal because everybody was sort of making fun of them in season one of like, oh, I bet like he never was actually in the suit except for that one part in the finale where he took his helmet off. And then they made a big deal of showing like Pedro on set in the armor during a couple moments in season two. So I think they I think they try to get him on set whenever they can. It's just like you're saying a pure scheduling thing, especially now that he's on The Last of Us as well. Yeah. But yeah, if you're if you're good, uh, 
he, he's turning into Jonathan Majors. He's just popping up everywhere. Oh my gosh! Yes, the two of them are. I'm. Just, they're just going to be in every every IP for for now until the end of time. But yeah, if you're good closing the book on uh, chapter 18, we can we can hop into the episode from this past week, uh, chapter 19, the convert. Yeah. Um. So that was that one was directed by Lee Isaac Chung and written by Noah Clore. Sorry if I'm mispronouncing your name and John Favreau. Um. So so general thoughts on this one, Joseph. We haven't even texted about this one, so I'm curious to see what you thought because I feel like the internet's kind of kind of mixed on this one. Yeah, this was one where I kind of got out of the episode and was like, that was not what I expected from this episode after mm-hmm. the first like 10 minutes or so. Um, I mean, I enjoyed it. It was interesting and it kind of, it felt more like Andor than the Mandalorian. Yeah. I thought, which, which is, you know, a good thing. Um, but it was just, yeah, it was, <laughs> it was a bit of a swerve on, on this one that they gave us of uh, most of the episode, we don't see the Mandalorian or Bo-Katan. They have that, that just insane action flight sequence at the beginning, which I loved. Yeah, it was great. I mean, it was like watching Top Gun (laughs) and, um, and that was really good. Uh, And then they jumped to hyperspace and then you go to, you know, we jump into Coruscant and we saw the Opera House. Mm-hmm. Yes, we did. And, and you know, what every Star Wars fan was thinking, like, did you ever hear the, the tragedy? tragedy of Darth Plagueis? Because it popped up and I was like, wait a second, wait a second. This is like the exact same shot even of, of this place. So they, they knew what they were doing with that. Oh, they, and they, they, they snuck a, they snuck an iconic uh, quote slash meme in there, too. Or not even snuck. They, they were pretty obvious about... Um, we got a beautiful "It's a Trap" uh, callback in oh, there as yeah. well. Yeah. No, yeah, I, I, uh, I really liked this one. Um, I, th- this is a case where I feel like the internet, like, it's like it proves that you can never make everybody happy because everybody's like, man, like it's just Mando doing fetch quests and like it's the same thing week in week out. And then with this episode, they're like, hey, cool, we're gonna like go to Coruscant and like catch you up on some world building and the post Return of the Jedi like Republic. And we're going to catch up with these characters and different things. And people were like, whoa, there's no like Mando and Grogu. Like, this is a totally different show. This kind of sucks. And I'm like, okay, like you can't, you can't have your cake and eat it too a little bit, which I feel like some, some people on the internet are, are doing a little bit with this one. Yeah. I mean, I enjoyed the episode, but I did kind of want to have more follow up on Mando and Grogu and Bo-Katan because you know, we've seen it happen in Star Wars before, and I know what they were doing. So it's like they jump to hyperspace, and then all of this happens while they're in hyperspace. Right. But also, you've had people jump to hyperspace, and then just boom, time skip. Oh, look, they're out of hyperspace now. Yeah, I, <laughs> so, I, I wonder if if the react genuinely. I I don't know. I wonder if the reaction had been any different that instead of instead of them jumping into hyperspace and cutting back to them at the very end of the episode, they just they just wrapped up the the bow din portion of the episode in in one go in the first like seven minutes and then just fully committed to Coruscant because I think subconsciously people are like oh is are like we gonna cut back to Mando and Grogu during this are we are they gonna come to Coruscant at the end of this and and I think that may have pulled some people out of the experience whereas I feel like if you end it on the convert and that feels 
like a very specific ending for that plot line for now, you could jump into the Coruscant thing foolheartedly. Um, but but I don't know. It's it just an interesting thought that I had while watching it the other day. Yeah, because, you know, that that ending scene or the potential ending scene would be the one where uh, Kane just like cranks up the mind flare on Dr. Pershing and he's just like twitching there and then you just cut to black. Right. And I think that might, that might be an actual stronger ending than the one we got. Um, but yeah, I guess we, we should actually talk about what, what sort of happened beat by beat. Cause it's the, the thing of after all the stuff on Mandalore, um, Bo-Katan very pointedly, I didn't write this in the outline, but she does not tell Mando about the mythosaur or does not, explicitly you know remind him she's like oh do you do you see anything down there and he's like uh not really and she's like oh interesting and they and they just it's even even like did you see anything no are you sure you didn't see anything and he's like yeah pretty much it was just kind of dark down there she said you didn't see anything alive or anything (laughs) he's like no no it was just dark down there so that was kind of funny to me of her like kind of trying to see if he actually knew anything and he's you know he's an idiot so he is a little bit like no i didn't see anything yeah and no it's interesting because i i think you and i both sort of alluded to it's like is she keeping this information for a specific reason like is this going to help her get get the dark saber and sort of get sway over the larger swath of mandalorian uh citizens or is it just just you know she's like oh I'm I'm curious if he saw anything I, I I could see this going in a couple of different ways with the rest of the season yeah um but yeah then you know they're they're trying to head back to Bo-Katan's castle and it's being attacked by um tie bombers and they get like we said this great little um not even little but great action set piece of them flying around and then Din has to like jump out of her ship and roll into his ship and activate the muscle car and swoop around and, and take care of that. And then a bunch of other tie equipment show up. And so they're like, Nope, let's just, let's just get out of here real fast. Um, and so he's like, Hey, let's, I'll take you back to the, to the enclave where we're all sort of hanging out. Um, and as usual, you know, consistency in character Paz Vizsla like shows up and he's like, Oh gosh, like this, this dumb dumb's back. And he, and Din's like, Oh, you thought, you thought man, but I, uh, I got the waters. I got the proof. And they just stroll right up to the armor, and it's like, hey, here's a vial. And I was wondering, I'm like, how is this proof? Couldn't he have just gone to any water fountain? But I guess uh, the armor has, like, a little pot of Mandalorian, uh, Mandalore water that, like, only reacts with other Mandalore waters, which was interesting. And she's like, nope, like, this this counts. And so, Din Djarin, you are redeemed. And not only that, but Bo-Katan, you are redeemed. And she's like, oh, hey, I'm not really in on this whole, like cult thing yet and they're like hey we're all about technicalities here so you you went in to rescue him and went into the water so so we're calling that we're calling that even and like you can leave at any time but as long as you want to be here like you can be here yeah she's like she's like i don't really want to be part of this i don't uh i don't listen to the way they're like you taking your helmet off since uh you jumped in the water well, now that I think about it, no. And they're like, hey, you're good. Welcome to welcome to the club. You've yeah, been initiated. I do, I, I do genuinely love that in typical, like, stereotypical cult fashion, like, they're, they all are, like, super, like, 
uh, like antisocial towards Din, but literally like the second the armor is like, hey, both these people are good. They're all just like slapping them like they just won the Super Bowl. They're just like, oh yeah, we're welcome back, bro. Like, we're, we're big happy family again. <laughs> this isn't a cult. <laughs> so yeah, no, that, it, yeah, that was great. Be, it'll be interesting to see um, see how they how they move forward throughout the season because I think Bo Katan is going to end up being torn with the children of the watch. Like, I don't really want to be here, but also these are some hardcore Mandalorians that can fight. I kind of need these guys. I'm about to say she needs people since all of her people like peaced out on her. And so I, I could see that like the arc ends up being that she recruits them to be her new, you know, soldiers and reclaiming Mandalore. And, and Din's just like, I'm just trying to, you know, to live to live in the way, but also like chill and enjoy life and keep keep my little son safe. Um, I I think that might be where the tension of that plot line ends up going, uh, for the rest of the season. Yep. Yeah, I could see but, that happening. And um, one of the things we talked about at work this week after the episode was, hey, they didn't have a giant alligator come out to try and eat them this time. Yeah, no, that's always uh that's always helpful when when random uh sea beasts don't don't show up and hurt things. But yeah, I guess yep. we should get into the other big thing cuz um the the mate like we said the main sort of lion's share of the action was back on course on kept catching up with uh Dr. Pershing who we haven't seen in a while after all of his uh cloning experiments and now he's received a sort of, you know, amnesty fresh start in the New Republic on Coruscant. Um and, you know, he's sort of right now he's just doing like archive data management, but he's sort of like, oh, hey, I know I was using cloning technology for the Empire and that was super bad, but like we can still use it for good stuff. And um, the whole episode is just sort of his growing frustration at being forced into this little box of behavior that's acceptable um, for, for the New Republic and wanting to maybe go back to his old research and then um kane shows up and she's like hey i'm i'm here too but as part of the amnesty program and he's initially very sus um and like i don't know you were kind of like way more into moff gideon than i ever was and she's like yeah but like you know the whole point of being here is to help the republic right so if we think we can we should um so she's like i'll help you steal some lab equipment and right then before anything else happened the rest of the episode i'm like i don't know Something about sneaking onto a star destroyer, stealing lab equipment doesn't doesn't feel like a smart choice. But she she stole cookies for him already. She did. She did. Everybody likes cookies. No, and they had like photon popsicles or something that that looked yeah. interesting. And I'm like, so I'm like, wait, so is it is it a frozen dessert or is it like a light source or both? Like, I was I was really yes. trying to figure out these photon popsicles. Yeah, that little park on Coruscant was cool, and people were pretty much talking like, yeah, life's not really that much different on Coruscant now, post-war, pre-war, you know, whatever. It's all the same. Yeah. Just because Coruscant probably didn't really change that much. I bet it, it just always housed, like, the the elite, I guess, is the best way to phrase it. And so it's like the elite, regardless of what the overall regime is, is going to be rough, roughly the same. Um, no, Kane even has the joke where she like, doesn't she say like, it's, it's all the same except for like the gear banner thing that was the empire symbol or whatever. Yeah. Cause, cause you know, she's like, Oh, I was here on the Academy on Coruscant and he's like, Oh, cool. 
so yeah, it was it was interesting. And then seeing her, I was like, eh, she she seems like maybe she's on board, but I don't know. This is kind of weird, and she's being sneaky, so maybe she's a spy or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not. I'm not gonna say I was like sus on her from the jump, but it it really wasn't until like the Star Destroyer that I'm like, oh, they're like this doesn't feel this doesn't feel right. Um, and and then yeah, but. I think they do actually set up um, Pershing's sort of progression of, like, genuinely trying to, like, fit in with his new routine and do the right thing, but just slowly seeing him get more and more frustrated with just having to, you know, go to work and then go home and then answer the same, like, five questions from, like, a robot, um, like, social worker, I guess, type um, official. Um, so, So I thought that progression was really handled nicely. And then we get this, you know, fun little heist thing of you know them jumping from the train and then going to steal the equipment but then uh yeah um dr pershing gets gets ratted out by kane to to the new republic officials and then they're like oh hey like you get to go in our beautiful little like mind massager thing and he's like that's a mind flare and they're like oh no this is just gonna be like a nice little treatment to to help relax you and calm you and make you more like susceptible to retraining and he's like you're gonna wipe my whole brain um and then kane is like oh like yeah like she's sitting on the other side of this one way mirror thing yeah like i had to turn him in it was the best thing to do do you mind if i stay and watch while he's going through this like treatment sector and they're like sure and she just like cranks the dial up to like 120 um on dr pershing so presumably his his brain's like mush after this and and that's sort of where where we end that little arc yeah it it was weird because that Mon Cala guy was like, hey, dude, this is really cool. And he's like, I know what that is. This is not really cool. He's like, no, man, just trust us. We're not the Empire. We're good. And he's like, no, I don't trust you. And they said, no, man, it'd be okay. We're just going to, like, massage some of your memories so that they're not as bad. He's like, you're going to kill me, man. And then... At the end, I was like, oh, she was definitely sent there by, like, Moff Gideon to kill this guy. Yes, like, Moff Gideon Gideon does not want, like, either one's revenge for Pershing messing the stuff up the first time and or does not want the cloning research falling into the New Republic's hands. I think it's that, because based on what he said in the season two finale, I don't think Dr. Pershing messed anything up. Because he was like, I got his blood. We're good to go. You know, you he was kind of baiting the Mandalorian, but he was like, you know, just go on and take him. And I think some of it was true that he was like, I already got what I needed from him. So I'm just going to kill him either way. Right. Makes talking sense. About, talking about baby Yoda. Um, I think it was more tying up loose ends of like, OK, if people really figure out what this guy's doing, they're going to bring him in for some more hardcore interrogation to see what he was working on. Right, because we, so, we do see in that opera scene that, like, some of the citizens are interested in his research. They're like, oh, this is this is fascinating. Um, we might have to, like, yeah. analyze this on a deeper level. Yeah, and so Moff Gideon's like, yeah, that can't happen. So he's probably got some pull, and, you know, some of those senators are probably still... It's probably precursors to like the first order because the first order kind of grew out of 
some senators that were like, nah, we're going to do something else. Um, Cause they did have political backing, uh, which you can read about in bloodline, which Ooh. is about princess. Leia. There we go. Um, great star Wars politics book. A lot of fun. Um, but there's probably some senators in there that are like, eh, we're not really feeling the new Republic. Let's see what this guy's up to. Clones are cool. We had a whole clone war and we got rich from it. So, right. Right. No, that's I, probably I, what they're doing. Yeah. Like, I'm like, I'm not trying to get like political or deep, but I do like the show sort of what you're saying about Pershing, like panicking about this brain tumor. The, the guy's like, Hey, like we're not the empire. This is going to be nice. It's like, but like the equipment just is inherently like dangerous. Like regardless of what you mm-hmm. think your motivation as an institution is like certain tools are when, when used in certain ways are just going to be dangerous regardless. And I, so I did, I did appreciate that little commentary of it's like, just because you're a new republic doesn't mean you can't also do kind of gray area things. Um. Yeah, I mean, and that's probably what the Rangers of the New Republic TV show was going to be of the Republic doing gray things. I mean, yeah. And I mean, look at what we've seen in Andor of like, oh, the rebellion did like, this might be going from like gray things to like, darker than gray thing yeah yeah so yeah i'm i'm interested to see what more we can find out of the new republic i still think we're gonna go i think we're gonna get a mon mothma cameo this season but if we don't you know whatever i'll just be sad but um i think we are gonna get one that'd be that'd be fun (laughs) is she canonically confirmed to have survived like through the events of return of the jedi and everything yeah, well, she was in Return of the Jedi. She's pretty much confirmed. I don't think they have a death date for her yet. She's alive up until at least a few years before The Force Awakens. Mm. I have to check. There's one other book that I think might mention if she's alive or not, but I don't remember what it said. Uh, but I mean, she she lives pretty much through the the whole in between the sequels and originals era. She's alive in it. At nice. this point, I think she's the uh, the chancellor still. Makes sense. She she's a solid choice. Yeah, and and uh, they had moved the galactic government to to Shandrilla. Uh, mm. So Coruscant's still like a big political area, but uh, I think the government is on Chandrilla at the moment. Nice. But yeah, so that, that sort of covers the main plot beats. Um, and so I, I think really the only thing left for us to talk about is sort of, um, you know, maybe, where do we think this season's going? I think you and I sort of talked about um, where we think the, the Bo-Katan and Din stuff could end up, but uh, do we think we're like so? Is it seems like with this episode and Kane seemingly sab- sabotaging on behalf of Moff Gideon that that the a confrontation with Moff Gideon seems to be the trajectory. Maybe if not for the rest of the season, the next the next chunk of the season is maybe maybe Din hears that Moff Gideon's still still around looking for Grogu, and so he's like, "All right, I gotta I gotta handle this dude maybe once and for all, maybe kind of thing." Yeah, I think 
the plot of this season is going to be them trying to rally a bunch of different groups of Mandalorians together and say like, Hey, let's go get Mandalore. Let's start rebuilding. And Moff Gideon is going to be like, Nope, that's mine. And they're going to have, they're going to end up having a huge fight on Mandalore between an Imperial remnant and Moff Gideon. Yeah, I mean, because we have that one awesome shot in the trailer of, like, eight different Mandalorians jumping out, like, paratrooping out of a ship. And I'm like, that seems very action-intense, so. And I think that's on Navarro. I think so. It looks that way. So, you know, we'll get uh, Grief Karga back, which is always nice to see him. There's never, there's no such thing as too much Carl Weathers in anything, as far as I'm concerned, so. Yep, he's great. Well, yeah, Joseph. If you don't have any uh, any more thoughts to share, I th- I think that covers it. It's going to be a bit of a bit of a short episode today, but I think we covered sort of the, the all the big strokes of these these two episodes. Uh, I really enjoyed them, and um, again, I was surprised but pleasantly that that we sort of wrapped up what I thought was the main quest of Din making his way to Mandalore and seeing if he could get to the waters. It's like, nope, that's done, and now it's now it's sort of all about what's going to happen with the Mandalorian culture and is, is Mandalore going to be reclaimed and what's happening with the dark saber. And now, now the Moff Gideon stuff, I think that is much uh, more interesting territory for exploration than just uh, seeing if he can go to a planet over eight episodes. Yep. Wednesdays are always exciting now with, uh, with the Mandalorian and uh, coming soon is going to be star Wars celebration. So mm-hmm. I think we're going to get some news about Ahsoka, about Skeleton Crew, and about season four. Yeah, yeah, I would I would not be surprised. Because um, I, kn- I know Favreau, I don't know if this is the first time it's been confirmed, but he sort of talked about, for the first time that I heard, that Skeleton Crew sort of is roughly in the same, at least, time era as Mando and Ahsoka, well, which they- is the first time I'd heard that. They they said that when Skeleton Crew got announced that's it, that it's in the same era, but maybe just in a different part of the galaxy. Mm. Um, but yeah, Ahsoka is definitely right in, in this time period, which is why I think with all this Mandalorian stuff, we're going to get a little bit of a Ahsoka kickoff with Sabine. Yes, Sabine's definitely so, showing up. So that'll be that'll be interesting to see. I I would not be surprised if the long plan roughly sort of is, is like this season is about Mandalore slash Moff Gideon and setting up Ahsoka a little bit. Ahsoka season one is about finding Ezra. And then I wouldn't be surprised if both Ahsoka season two and Mando season five are about like a Thrawn confrontation. Because I I remember a few years ago, I don't remember what episode we were talking about it on. It might've been the season two finale where I was like, yeah, I think we're gearing up for an adaptation of the Thrawn trilogy, mm. just with diff- maybe some different main characters. And I still think we're on that path. Yeah, it, it's it's looking more and more that way, I, I think, for sure. So, yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, no, I'm I'm excited. And um, yeah, I all, you know, all three of us, I think we'll definitely be watching and periodically sharing our thoughts on, on the rest of the season. Um, and where things are going. And so so stay tuned. Keep the podcast feeds up to date because um, we'll be talking mm-hmm. Mandalorian stuff. I know we're going to try to get together a group of us to talk about uh, impressions on The Last of Us 
Um, and then, you know, we're, we're fast approaching summer movie season. So lots of big blockbusters are coming out. You know, we got guardians coming up in May. we got the flash in June, um, indie in June. So we got, we got plenty of exciting stuff. So please, uh, keep those podcast feeds up to date and check back in with us soon. Thank you.